This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm excited today. We've got uh, a big name guest, Brad Lee. He's an entrepreneur, a businessman. He's hosted the Dropping Bombs podcast and author of this book right here, Lessons I've Learned the Hard Way So You Don't Have to. Uh, he's a husband, a father, an investor, a philanthropist, and in his own words, and I'm sure it's true, a really good dude. Brad, great to have you, man. Thanks, man. And yes, that is true. <laughs> Haven't met you personally, but I know you, we're connected to, through Nick Santanastasso and some other folks and everyone loves you. So I'm going to take you for your word on that. Well, I appreciate it. Let's start. I want to start a, a bit with the beginnings of you. I, in the book, you you uh, you chronicle this idea of patience as a virtue being a bunch of bullshit, essentially. Uh, but there's a story from your from your your upbringing with your father where that was really true. Like if your father were patient, you might not be here. Do you mind just starting off for the audience anyway, just with that story? What was that all about? What what did you what did you learn from that? How did that shape you? The story and then how did it shape you? Well, I mean, I was a little young, so it really didn't shape me. But the story looking back shaped me and made right. me realize that, you know, when it comes to chasing your dreams or building an empire, patience is not a virtue. And I believe it it can kill you. Much like when I was two years old, I was found after drinking turpentine, already kind of blue and technically dead, rushed to the hospital. The doctor basically saw my dad with this blue baby that's clearly dead in his hands. And they basically told him to calm down and be patient. And he freaked out and, you know, started screaming and grabbing people by their neck and said, do something. And Obviously, I made it because of that. Had he not raised his intensity, you know, uh, uh, forced the issue, you know, I wouldn't have been here. They would have they would have lost me for sure. So when you think about it, we're told to have patience, which literally means the ability to experience trouble, challenge and delay without being upset. Most people think it means time, like, you know, hey, have patience. Things take time. I understand. So I'm supposed to just sit here and allow things to happen as they may. No, I do not think that's the case. I think you need to get rid of the word patience when it comes to building your dreams and raise your activity, raise your intensity, raise the motion and the energy that you're putting into it. Relax, you know, patience to me is almost like, you know, just relax because, you know, it's coming. It's coming. Just just be patient. You know, it's coming. No, no, no. Raise the intensity and crush. So almost died. My dad would have had patience. Wouldn't have, be, wouldn't have been here to tell you this. So I believe when it comes to building your dreams, patience is not a virtue. Patience can kill you, actually, and your dreams. When did that lesson land for you most specifically? At what point in your life did that lesson come into full focus? Because you've blown up, man. I mean, you know, dropping bombs. All I mean, you're all over the damn place. It seems suddenly everybody would say you're you're overnight, which is not true. But but when 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 did you become impatient? What was the moment, or was there a moment, or was it just has it always been there? You know, I wouldn't call it a comeback. I've been here for years, but right. no, um, <laughs> dude, I'll tell you. You know, I would say in the last sixty days. Come on. Oh yeah. Like, man, I've been, I've been, listen, things come to me pretty easily. Why? Because I have a good spirit. I'm laid back. I don't stress. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't ache, you know, I'm not on any medications. Like I've, I've had a pretty easy time of, of building multiple eight figure companies, but that's because of my perspective. Like I have people that say, Brad, what are you talking about? You were homeless on the beach. Yes, but it was a beach. People pay to live on the beach. I got to do it for free. It was a choice. Like it wasn't that bad. If you think living on the beach because you don't have a, a, a home to stay in for a couple of weeks, by the way, is rock bottom. Well, then I'm here to tell you that we have two different opinions of rock bottom. 
And we have two different opinions of what's difficult. Like, I don't believe life is hard. Okay. I believe life is easy. In fact, we are designed to survive, you know, above all things, survival is our biggest instinct. So life is pretty easy, actually, but people make it hard. And it's just, it's just crazy. But I've had a pretty easy time, you know, building these companies because of my perspective. So I would tell people things can always be worse. See what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So when people ask me questions like that, you know, I, I vacillate because I could come up with some sob stories and I can go back and talk about all the hard times and boo hoo, but it really, they weren't really that difficult. Yeah. Think about the difficulty some people face. Think about, you know, like there's people in, in this, in this tribe of millionaires, you know, tri- tribe of what millionaires, right? So everybody can sit there and go boo hoo. This is what happened to me. And this is how hard it was. You're millionaires. You're millionaires. Okay. It wasn't that bad. Look where you are. Look what happened because of it. Like, to me, it's like, it's just not a bad thing. Anyway, what was your question? Cause I, no, I, no, no, that's great. Dude. Look, that's extra. We'll, we'll come back to it. The 60 days thing. Well, the question wasn't 60 days, but you said you became impatient 60 days ago. And I want to explore yeah. that, but what you just talked about this concept of extreme perspective. I love that. So, you know, man, I'm having a bad day, but immediately flashed to kid in Ukraine, whose parents were both just bombed and they're dead. Right. And they're trying to figure out where they're going to live. Like, man, it could be so much worse. So I love that point. That's kind of where I go with it as well. But yeah, go back to the patience piece. So you said, and that I'm still like, you dropped a bomb 60 days ago, within 60 days or so, you feel like that's where impatience has really reared its head for you? Well, it's when I realized I'm a hypocrite, right? Because I'm not going at full speed. I've been coasting this entire time. I've, casually built companies i've casually succeeded and i don't like being a hypocrite so i've raised the intensity in the last 60 days to a point where you know see me in another 90 days i'll be all you know shredded you know i will be way farther than i am right now because about 60 days ago i realized i'm full of shit I'm telling everybody not to have patience and I'm, I'm just chilling like a villain. Like, dude, I'm coasting. I'm not living anywhere close to my potential. I'm not doing half of what I could be doing. And so I freaking amped it up, which is ironic too, because I had a buddy of mine come out here from New York. He was just wanting to hang out for a couple of days. So I said, come into the office and, you know, you can just hang out and shadow me and, you know, we'll smoke cigars and have fun. So, so when he left, he said, Brad, you, you know, I'm, I'm, 15 years younger than you. And, uh, I feel like a dumbass. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, dude, you, you, and they explained the last two days. He said, you, you, you simultaneously, you know, it was just amazing to watch how many things you're actually doing all day, how many things you're actually involved with. And I'm just sitting there. And I thought to myself, dude, I'm not doing half the stuff I should be doing or could be doing. So that's why I say 60 days ago. I mean, I've known it for a long time, but I haven't owned it. I truly haven't owned it. What What's the push versus pull then for you? This is interesting. There's so many, you could read books on, on any topic that go one way or the other, right? Or you can listen to podcasts or influencers who have two different perspectives on the same point. So there's the, the mindset of what exactly it sounds like what you did, which is, I'm going to sort of surrender. This is what I am. This is who I am. And it, and and the momentum is carried. You do significant. You wouldn't argue. You have a significant life. You've done an amazing, amazing things in your life so far. But now you're talking more about I got to push. So where's the balance there? How is there a balance? How do you how do you determine like flow? I guess in some way when to just stay in flow. You're in your lane, whatever, and when to sort of maybe intentionally push yourself. To, push yourself within that flow. So you're in the fast lane, you're going 90 miles an hour. Like when do you know to ramp it up to a hundred and start weaving? Well, you want to do that every day, all day for the rest of your life. That's what I've decided. Because again, I mean, when people talk about potential, you know, yeah. one time someone asked a, uh, a guy a question and said, Hey, what's your biggest fear? And he said, not living up to my potential. 
Well, first of all, that's a cheese ball answer. You know, you're just trying to get a sound bite or something because what does that mean? You're, you're, you're afraid of not living up to your potential. Well, guess what? Then you better be very afraid because none of us are ever going to live up to our actual potential, like our potential. Every one of us individually is incredibly, you know, like in other words, potential. Yeah. Huge. Jamie, your potential is 10 times what you're doing. Yeah. And people need to wake up and realize that they're never going to reach their potential. And time is a ticking. So what do you do? Well, you get up and you get rid of that patience and you start to realize. And again, some people wake up earlier than others. But at the end of the day, man, you have to wake up and realize time is ticking and you've got a lot of room in the tank. You've got to push yourself to get there. You've got to constantly be uncomfortable in order to be comfortable. That's the craziest part. It's like if you want comfort, well, then seek discomfort. The things that are uncomfortable make you change and grow and move. And, and, you know, when you're comfortable, you kind of just lay in the cut, you know, get a little chubby, you know, start rationalizing and, and get comfortable. Well, people are seeking comfort because we're creatures that like comforts, but they're seeking comfort and they end up uncomfortable. When, when in reality, if you want to end up comfortable, seek discomfort. Some people, they don't like to introduce themselves, you know, Get out, get out of your comfort zone and go introduce yourself. You'll make more money. Relationships are the new currency. You know, it's it, every dollar you've ever received was derived from a relationship. So if you know that money doesn't grow on trees, what they tell us, but they don't tell us where it does grow. Well, it grows in other people's pockets. So if you want more money, let's keep, let's keep shit simple. If yeah. you want more money, you have to meet more people. And a lot of times people just, they, they don't go out and meet anyone new. They know the same people for years. Like, dude, the same people that you know today are why you have what you have and you've done what you've done because of the people that you know or have ran into. Well, if you know that's the case, what if you would have ran into three times that many people? What if you would have got to know three times as many people, you would have three times as much. Think about that. Every yeah. dollar is derived from a relationship. People want more dollars, go get more relationships. Meet 10 new people every single day. Reach your hand out, introduce yourself. People say, I don't want to introduce myself. I'll feel dumb. What if they, you know, what if they're talking? I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be interrupted. No, you don't want to be judged. That's the bottom line. You don't want to be judged. And you know why you don't want to be judged? Because you don't have a high enough opinion of yourself. So you need everybody else's opinion to validate your worth. And that's the problem. You got to raise your self-worth to raise your net worth. If you raise your self-worth up notches, the, the, the net worth vacuum raises the net worth to, to meet your self-worth. You're never going to outperform your own self-image. So guess what? If you want to, if you want to do better, you have to get better. You know, you have to raise your self-worth up and up and up. And as you raise that value, that self-value, your net worth financially will increase as well. So will the rest of your riches, you know, relationships, health, every, all the, all the things that make up, uh, you know, uh, what I consider a successful life. You know, because you can you can have a ton of money, dude. And if you're sitting there, you know, 488 pounds, you can't run around with your kids. You're ignoring your family. You're working all the time. And then you have a stroke and die and, and you leave them a bunch of money. Dude, again, thank thank you for leaving everybody money. Thank you for being a hardworking individual. But guess what? In my opinion, and everyone ha should have their own opinion. This, this is just mine. In my opinion, if I spend my whole life working and I don't have any time to spend with family and loved ones, I'm an I'm a, I'm an idiot. Because when you talk to old people on their deathbeds, they're not talking about all their money and they're not talking about all their yachts. They're they're trying to, you know, say goodbye to the people they love. Like relationships become the most important thing. So why not? Why why wait till you're dying to understand that relationships are the most important thing? Go build more of them change the ones that you have, you know, get rid of all the negative people that are literally keeping you limited. 
because limitations, self-limitations are, are what everybody's problem really is. That's huge. That's okay, look, that's go abundance. If I, hey, shameless plug, go to goabundance.com and apply. That's exactly why guys uh, uh, join a community like abundance or women on the women's side is because you want to be around people that are thinking uh, of uh, helping you get to who you know you can be as opposed to just dragging you back like crabs in a barrel, like those folks that you said you have to, to, to limit. Raising your, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, and it's and it's not always you know easy to see these people if you're if you're not in tune. You know, you get in tune by understanding that number one, if you're my friend, you want me to succeed. You want to encourage me, right? You want to be positive. You're you're not you're not looking for the negatives. You're not you know dragging me back. You know, I've had people say, Brad, you're never going to be a millionaire. You didn't even graduate high school. Well, that's not necessarily true, is it? And we've formed these beliefs based on other people's opinions. And then once you form a belief, that's what controls your actions and your choices, your beliefs. So it's like, you got to be real careful of who you let talk to you because words are literally magical. They can, they can build and destroy. And the point I'm making is, and by the way, that's why like you spell words, you know how you spell a word. Yeah. That's why they, that's why you spell words. Cause they, cause they're magical. Literally the tongue can, can, can do a lot. So when people understand that words are, are, are literally, you know, important, kind of a light bulb comes on. They're like, Holy crap, dude, that makes a lot of sense. So you want to limit the stuff going into your head. If this was a, if your mind was a, was a garden, you know, you plant something that's what's coming up, right? You don't plant uh, uh, corn and expect uh, a pumpkin to come out of the ground. You right. expect corn to come out of the ground. So if you plant wheat, you get wheat. And if you plant shit, what are you going to get? Yeah, You're going to get shit. shit. You're going to allow negative opinions, discouraging comments into your head. And that's literally what grows. So you got to tend the garden, weed that stuff out and always constantly change your, 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 your circle. And that's the, your relationships. So those relationships, they need to evolve and constantly change. And people are afraid of that for some reason. I, lo I love it, man. I love it. That's so powerful. The um, You talked a minute ago about the guy 15 years younger than you coming out from New York and watching you for two days and being blown away by all of what you do, right? I heard Denzel Washington say this, I think, don't mistake movement for progress, your path has been progress, at least in the time that you've been public and visible, right? Like you've been progressing month after month, week after week, year after year. How do you, how do you ensure all the do ties into progress as opposed to just doing? Is there anything, I don't know if it's tactical or if it's a mindset thing. So wherever you want to take that, but how do you ensure that, how have you made progress with all that you're doing versus, and I've been in this trap, I'm doing a bunch of shit but I don't feel like there's any progress with it. I'm just moving in place, if you will. Yeah. How have you done that? Or how do you advise people to, to ensure they're making progress? Well, it starts with knowing where you're going. See, the reason you're not sure if it's progress is because you don't necessarily know where you're going or you are not measuring the right indicators. Like you have to measure to manage, meaning if you're not measuring it, you're not managing it. If I want to make a million dollars for in a year, I break it down to daily and I start saying, did I make X amount of dollars today? If the answer is no, I got to recalculate now because tomorrow I have to make more. And so tomorrow I need to be on that pace. And if I'm not, I need to recalculate and I need to recalculate. People don't recalculate enough. They're not measuring they're not inspecting what they're expecting. And that's why they don't know if they're, if, if, if all their activity is, is equating to anything. So I don't do that. I, I kind of set a target and figure out, you know, exactly what I need to be doing in order to hit that target. And then every single day, I realize that it just boils down to choices and decisions. So I ask myself, is this moving me towards or away? And as long as I keep all day going, this is moving me towards, this is moving me towards, this is moving me towards, well, then I do it. But sometimes you make mistakes, man. People, people, listen, failure is a part of the formula, folks. I love it when people say they, they don't want to fail. I'm like, well, what's stopping you? They're like, well, we don't want to fail. What if we fail? Well, folks, 
that's part of it. That's part of the formula. It's like if you're making a cake and say you don't want eggs or sugar involved. Well, you know, it might not come out quite right, you know, if you're looking like that. So remember, failure is a part of it. Don't be afraid to fail. I like that. I like the uh, that, that being part of the recipe. Like think about it in terms of eggs or whatever the case may be. When uh, you, your brand, again, people might pop, tune into Instagram or YouTube and they're seeing you pop up all over the place, tons of content, you're all over. And I heard you talking about, <clears throat> I think it was Grant Cardone, well, I know it was Grant Cardone, uh, how you initially told him he was making a mistake by recording himself you know, in the bathroom and on the plane and doing all this stuff, like putting it out there, like this is a mistake. When did you come around to that? When did you become, when did you, when did brand become something for you that was important to, uh, to create? About three years ago. So three years ago is when I started building a brand or, or posting content and, and coming, you know, to the public myself. Yeah. When I met Grant, he was kind of a, a one man band selling training to car dealerships. So I sold him on my technology to use my technology. And then now that I basically had a piece of him because I get a piece of what he does, I wanted him to be successful. So I started, you know, do this, do this, do that, bang, 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 bang. And then he started posting every day, all day on all the different channels, like a madman. And I was following him, of course. Um, and he started pitching and selling and, you know, I, I'm, you know, being kind of uh, like, pushy. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to ruin your brand, which means it's going to cost me. So I just called him and said, bro, you got to quit posting so much. And so he just, you know, didn't listen, didn't listen, told him again, you, you got to quit posting so much. I'm going to have to unfollow you. And he said, well, go ahead. You're not buying anything. And it, and that's when it clicked on me like, oh, I, but turns out he was right. I was wrong. So, so the, the moral of that whole story is, you know, you don't always listen to somebody unless they're in a place where you want to be, right? Neither of us back then were in a, were in a place, but I watched him elevate to a place of, of, of recognition where people know who he is. Like we would go places, you know, they would want me to hold the camera to take a picture with him, you know? So to me, it's like after, I don't know, let's say eight, eight years of helping him build his brand up, you know, I got a little exposure because he put me on a couple of his 10x stages and I just decided, you know what, the best way to blow up any business is to get more attention and more relationships and more people to know who you are. Grant was already freaking off and running. I said, man, now that I've built all these stages for all these other people, maybe I should build a stage for myself. And so I just started posting content and that's that's how it started. There's there's two questions in my head. I want to go back and talk about light speed. And it's funny. And, and this is, I, I I mentioned to people I'm interviewing you, everybody knows you. And they're like, man, yeah. I'm like, well, what, what do you know about him? Like, he's an entrepreneur. I'm like, okay, what else? You know, they're like, I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't understand what light speed is and what, what, you know, you, you grew. And now that you own multiple business. So I want to touch on that. But before I do, on the brand piece, something I love about your book, and I don't know, I'll I'll jumble this question together somehow, but what I love about your book is it's reflective of your content. And in my opinion, what I mean is it starts hard. Death is a great motivator. It ends fast and hard. Hey, ah, I want to pack more shit in here, but at the same time, if I do, it's going to take me forever. I just want to make impact. The book's over. The last chapter is like seven words, right? Like it's it, it flies through like that. And your content, if you pull up a YouTube video, it's going to be like, all right, hey, this is why you're fucking up. And at the end of it, it's stop doing that. And it's that, like, I, that's what that's what your brand, that's why your brand resonates and your book is part of that. It's all part of this. At the same time, I, I wonder in, in the three years that you've grown and even watching Grant or being around people like Jordan Belfort or all these people you're, you're exposed to, is, is what you're putting out there, does it, is it raw and authentic? Is there any level, and this is honestly probably a personal question for me as I build my brand. Is there any level of insecurity in what you put out there? Is that required? Is that a part of the recipe kind of like failure is? Like, do you have, what I'm thinking of that is you have your signature line. And I remember this is probably a year ago, people were giving you some crap about, hey, it looks like Gary V's. What are you trying to be, Gary V? And you posted saying, no, I'm not trying to be Gary V. I got my signature line, like get off my back. Like the reason for that post in the in the in the growth of your brand, does it do you go through fits of I'm I'm insecure, 
uh, about this. So I'm going to post about it. I'm authentic and I want to post about that. Like, is there a balance there or is it? No, it's just, this is me. I'm putting this out there again. I'm jumbling this question together. I hope it makes sense. But what are the elements that make, I guess, a great brand? Those are the two that I'm pulling out. What other ingredients for you do you think make a great brand or are those ingredients present? Well, to me, whatever, what makes a great brand is, is, is trust. So if your brand built trust, you, you did a good job. When you're asking that question, like most people, especially, you know, content creators and, you know, all of these people that are out there, they are doing what you just said. They're trying to figure out what to post. I don't think about what to post. At some point, you have to stop thinking about what content to put out and start being the content. In other words, like just be you doing you have a camera on it and put it out there. I don't think about what to post. I'm not thinking about, well, hey, let's talk about this today and let's talk about that today. And here I know what people need to hear. And I used to do that and it didn't it didn't work very well. And I had a guy that was very organized, always pressing, pressing me to make content. And I had to think about questions like you said, you know, what should I put out there? And, you know, is this going to be dumb? Is this going to go viral? Is this, you know, is this make me look good? Does it make me look bad? I had to think and think and think and think. And not only that, I had, I was running multiple companies. It took, it takes time to make content that way. You have to literally block out time to make content. So this guy kept coming in saying, dude, it's time to make content. And I was on a call. I'm doing business. I'm talking to employees like I'm running real businesses here. So so like I don't have time to you know be this social media guy. So at the end of the day, he came in one too many times and I was on a call a little bit heated. And, and he looked over and he said, dude, we got to make content. And I said, dude, just turn on the camera. I am the content. And so I just went right back to my call, got up, talked to people, walked around the building, da 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 da, da smoked my cigar, answered some questions, and boom, the, the team that I send my footage to chopped it up and dropped it because nobody told them it wasn't content. And 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 reality uh TV began because what you see me do on social media is me just being me. And I recommend everybody do the same thing. I have what's called a content flow. Okay. This is how I do it. Number one, you have to worry about the source. Where's the source of your content? If it's coming out of here, don't let it come out of here. Let it come out of here. Like just be the content. Okay. You have to like yourself enough to be the content. Most people don't. That's why they won't be themselves and put it online because they're so worried about other people's judgment. So before you can be the source of the content, you probably want to go, you know, raise your own self-worth a little bit. And I can tell people how to do that. But once, once you understand the source of your content, like mine right now, this is a source of content. Yeah. For me too. Why? Well, because I've always got a camera on me. I go do a, a a closer school live where I teach sales and closing. You know, that's being recorded. Um, I talk to an employee that's being recorded. I t- wherever I go, except the bedroom and the bathroom, you know, it's being recorded nine times out of ten. So at the end of the day, man, I'm just being me. I don't need to make time for it anymore. It's freaking awesome. I just go about my day and do do what I do. And then fortunately, I have a team. If you don't have a team, it take you a little more work, but I have a team that then takes that content and just listens to what I said all day and says, oh, that was funny or that was good or, hey, that made sense or, hey, that's a lesson. And then they stick it out there and then that's the creative. So you need the source. That's me, my my podcast, all the things I do. And then you need the creative, which is headlines, hashtags and subtitles. Right. If you go look at somebody's page, if there's no headline and no subtitles. I'm telling you, you won't see much engagement. So you need you need the creative that knows what they're doing, which is simply hooks, problem, solution. That's the format. So once you have your creative down, then you do your outlets. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, at minimum. All of them, if you're trying to build a brand. So, so you want to have all of your outlets laid out and branded systematically across the board. And then you want your frequency. That's the part most people stop. You want to put out, depending on the channel, two to four videos a day, every day. 
people are like, dude, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And that's how you build a brand is you get up in their face. So when, so when they open up their, 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 their social media, you are, like you said, you're everywhere. Well, again, I mean, if I didn't put up so many videos, I would not be everywhere. Grant Cardone said it best. Again, you ain't buying anything. So, so you can't be worried about, man, everyone's going to follow me. I'm putting up way too much. You know, trust me, guys, two to four. I wish I could do four to eight. And by the way, every time I up it, the engagement goes up. And so, do, so do the amount of followers and the speed of which it grows. So like, but I just, you know, to me, the frequency is key. Most people are not consistent and they're not, and they don't do it frequently enough. And then the last one's boost, which is basically now you're paying for people to see your videos, but that's the content flow. You get the source, you get the creative, you get the outlets, you get the frequency, dude, you're, you're, it's just a matter of time. And then you boost it with basically paying for more people to see you. Some are going to hate you. Some are going to love you. Don't worry about the hate. Don't, don't focus on the hate or you'll never find the love. Just put it out there, put it out there, put it out there. That's why you need to be a strong individual. You need to, you need to know that you're a good person inside. That's why if people say, you know, any smart ass comments or any of the hate comments that come, and I don't get a lot of it, fortunately, but you know, I also don't have that many followers, but at the end of the day, you know, when I do get some hate, I don't need your opinion to validate what I'm doing and who I am. So hate on my brother, hate on matter of fact, you know, I like to, I like to say stuff back to them and I've turned a lot of haters into fans. So at the end of the day, man, that's how you build the brand, or at least that's how I did it. I love it, man. No, that's great. It's funny. You you talk about that. Yeah. My um, podcasting has become that it started, you said you started with trying to think of creative and then you became the brand, just record you point the camera and then have a team cut it up, which by the way, there are virtual assistants for almost nothing that do this work. Like if you talk about a team, for eight bucks an hour or less, you can you can get a team um, to really do a lot of damage as far as putting stuff out there for you and create do, you know doing the creative if you train them and everything. So anybody can have a team, in my opinion. Um, but podcasting for me in the beginning was more of a what does the audience want to hear, and now honestly I go into this with like what do I want to know, what do I want to learn, what do I want to hear, and That's right? Right. yeah, because at the end of the day I look at this medium as. It's like being in a room and the two of us are talking and then somebody comes over. They don't come over like, okay, Jamie, ask Brad this for me, right? They're coming over just to kind of hear what's going on between these two people, the interesting conversation they're having. And I've treated podcasts more like that. And don't get me wrong. I get in my monkey brain at times like, ooh, this would be a good one. And I'm like, no, 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 don't ask that then. If it's going to be a good one, don't ask that unless it serves me and my curiosity. And I don't mean that selfishly, but I mean, that's what People are listening to this to hear an interesting conversation. And for whatever reason, they resonate with me. So they resonate with the guests that I have and the conversation and the type of conversation I would have with my guests, just like in yours. We've both had similar. We both had Jeff Hoffman on. Very different interview. Your curiosity is different than his. Nick Santanastasio is another one. Michael Francis. We've shared guests, you know, but our our way of going about it is very different because you're asking for you. I'm asking for me, not for my audience, not for your audience. So that's right. Now I need to bring that more to my brand. I've gotten better, but this was really, really good for me. So thanks for the coaching. I appreciate that. Sure. I'll send you. I'll send you a check. Um, I want to go back to Lightspeed. So this is. I, I remember hearing. I think you were like in a car with Grant Cardone eight years ago, uh, or something like that. In some video that you two did together, he was driving around, and and you were in the car, and you said, "Hey, yeah, I don't market Lightspeed because I got. I, I, it's it's pretty much B two B. I think, right for the most part, like you you your clients are like Tony Robbins. I mean." It's not something where you need to put it out there and be whatever, but Lightspeed is a prominent, huge thing that maybe not as many people know about, but is is permeating the the online uh, uh, coaching or online training world, I should say. What is it? How did you come up with this concept and how does Lightspeed work? Well, Lightspeed is a web-based interactive training and communication platform I created to change lives originally. I was very good at taking people and turning them into high powered salespeople, you know, so I could change lives financially just by taking someone with minimum wage and, and showing them how to make 15 grand in, inside of 90 days. And now they're making, now they've got the ability to make 15, 20, 30, 40,000 a month for minimum wage. It was life-changing for people. And I thought that felt good to change lives. So I said, I'm going to go do this full time. So I went out on the road just to kind of do it as a training organization. 
and it wasn't working anymore. And I couldn't figure out what the problem was. So I went and did a little research as to what I used to do when I was very successful uh, training people and, and what I'm doing now. And I found four ingredients that are required to have real training, you know, good content. You have to know how to do it in the first place. So good content, repetition, practice and accountability without those four ingredients it's not training it's just exposure so so once i realized i'm not giving any repetition i'm not doing this well then my other choice was to live out of a suitcase and you know hang out longer and it's like that wasn't an option so i said i got to figure out a way to where i can go in there and and say what i need to say enough times without me being there so there was nothing online nobody was training online there was no systems available so i had to build the first online training system ever, which was Lightspeed. And so I used it for my training, uh, filmed myself, made it fully interactive, uh, built in all the tools that anybody that wanted to train people would need and want to actually train people. Um, and then I went out and started selling it. And that's how I got all these big clients is, is you know, they wanted to use my technology for their training. So I started out doing it for myself and then I realized I could help other people, you know, train people too. So I started helping the trainers and then uh, it just kind of blew up. Wow. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's huge. You, you have Tony Robbins as a client and you closed him. I, I think you said after like six, seven, eight attempts to, to get him. And I forget what you called it. It was something like loss. What did you say? I wrote it down somewhere. The way in which you closed him was like uh, you, you were explaining to him, yeah. Uh, yeah. He said, I have 10,000 of my events. You said, what about the other 7 billion? You said, it's a fear of loss that you sold him on. What does that mean? Fear of loss. Can you explain that? Well, I mean, ultimately, Tony really does want to help the world and he does it every day, all day. He He's a hardworking individual, works his butt off and, and he's genuinely trying to help people. Um, so I realized that and when I'm leaving his house for the sixth or seventh time, and I still wasn't getting a deal, I just turned around and said, Tony, how many people do you get at your events? He said, you know, like 10,000, you know, and, and he said it like proudly, like I help 10,000 people. And then I said, what about the other 7 billion? And he goes, and then I, I don't want, I mean, if, if I tell you what he actually said in re response, it'll make it, you know, not as pristine. So I'll just yeah. leave it right there. But what he said, actually, I can't now. Everyone's going to be like, what do he say? What do he say? say? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, join my discord and I'll tell you, no, just joking. Um, there you go. <laughs> he, basically, he said, well, he, your percentage is a little high. So he went from, eh, his percentage is high. And he wasn't going to tell me that he was just going to, you know, be kind and, you know, let me leave and, you know, let me try and follow up. But you can't get a hold of Tony unless Tony wants you to get a hold of him. So, so at the end of the day, if I, I feel like if I didn't turn around and, and, and get his real passion involved, you know, or he was going to lose the ability to help those people if I left, which is the fear of loss, you know, that I would never ever get the deal. So I just said, man, Hey, how many people come to your events? You know, 10,000. Well, what about the other 7 billion people? And he goes, well, you, the, the percentage you want is a little high. And so we made a deal, you know, it's Tony Robbins. I had to cut him a deal. Sure. And so we made a deal and, and shook hands and boom, the rest was history. But the fear of loss was he, he really wants to help people. And he knew that doing live events, you cannot help the masses. You can't put a you can't put seven billion people in a in an auditorium. You couldn't even parade three hundred thousand at a time and reach seven billion. So at the end of the day, it would have been impossible for the rest of the world to ever get his words and techniques and thoughts and whatnot. And he realized it real quickly and decided to pull the trigger. Yeah, is he uh, in that case? Like you talk about minimum wage people going to fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month. I'm assuming that's one aspect of a fear of loss, but what are, are there any, I don't know, I'm kind of curious, what, what are some tips or tactics or what are some things that that are central to a minimum wage person going from, I've never sold a damn thing in my life to making $20,000 a month? Well, I mean, doing it, like, dude, sales is where it's at. Like commission is where it's at. Like if I say you're worth $8 an hour, bro, and you accept that, 
that's the limitation in your head already. Why are you only worth $8 an hour? You mean nothing I do here will be worth more than $8 an hour? What if I sold, you know, 19 customers on doing business with you and you made a million dollars? I'm only worth $8. Well, do it yourself then if it's not valuable. I value my skills and myself. So what I do is I transfer that, that knowledge to a brand new person and then I put them in a commission environment. And, and, and dude, listen, Customers aren't coming to car dealerships to, to look for oranges and, and, and French bread. Like they're there to find a car. You're just there to help them. And when you do help them, you make a commission. Well, dude, if you're talking to a lot of people and you're being kind and you're looking to help and you have ethics and integrity and you have any amount of charm and respect and, you know, just being a good person, you're going to sell stuff. You're going to sell stuff. The question is, are you going to be really good? Well, when you start mixed martial arts, you're not a black belt. So guess what? With, with anything, things can be learned. Things take time. The question is, is, are you willing to try it? And most people aren't. There's a lot of people out there settling for a salary. Dude. Jamie, you're worth 5000 a month. Yeah. Now you just stay there and you be a good man and earn your five. And if you're real good, after a couple of years, I'll give you a little more. Well, you're not going to tell me that like, dude, listen, if I triple your business, I want a piece. Okay. If I show you how to make a million dollars, I'd like a little sliver for myself, please. Which, which is how Lightspeed was based because we rev share with customers. Now I've, I've developed a plan where you don't, we don't have to rev share, but if, if we don't rev share, you know, we let you use the technology and you kind of do it yourself like everybody else does. But if you allow me to get a little piece for my niece, a little fraction of the action, a little tad for Brad, well, then I'll show you how to accelerate your ability to create impactful courses and show you how to promote them to a way where you're getting large amounts of recurring revenue. And again, most people are like, well, well why would I give you a piece? Well, because again, you just... Like if you go do this without light speed, you don't have interactive content. You're not doing things. It's going to take you a lot longer and a lot more money to figure it all out. I'm the one that's been doing it 20 years and help grant reach, you know, 5 million a month and, and, and beyond actually. And multiple people like there, it's an experience. It's like, it's like I'm a UFC fighter and I've been fighting for 15 years, like, and you're brand new at fighting. Creating courses out in the world is, is a lot more difficult than people think. You know, main companies that use Lightspeed to train their people, they're like, man, we've been doing this the wrong way this entire time. Your system solved this, 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 this. And that's because our our technology is not a hosting solution for videos. Mm-hmm. It is a intera- it's a multi-million dollar interactive technology that allows you to create interactive content. And interactive content allows you to ask questions, engage, and, and make appropriate offers at the right time, generate leads, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're going to drive a million people to a video that asks no questions and makes no offers, how smart is that? Mm. Like you just wasted all those eyeballs. Well, we, well, we email them afterwards. Yeah, but dude, that's more marketing expense and it's more time and time kills all deals. Why didn't you ask them right in the course itself what you wanted to know, how old they were, whether they were interested in this or that, or how you could better serve them? If you layer in that interactive experience, it's more engaging. They learn. So now your reputation doesn't go down the toilet and you make more money. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm, I'm thinking my brain is rolling. I have a course, right? And uh, an online course that we sell. And, uh, you know, it's got live components to it. It trains and everything. It's hosted on Kajabi. So in my brain, I'm trying to insert myself here. So maybe we can use that as an example. So I've got this online course, right? And and it's and it's uh, it's hosted on a, on a platform. And I'm saying, yeah, I want to get this out more. And maybe it's not as interactive as it can be. So I come to Lightspeed. How does it plug in? Well, number one, if you're on Kajabi, you know, that's not a training platform. That's a hosting platform. Right, right, right. Um, I always tell people, if you get Kajabi, I hope you want a hand Kajabi and not a training system. Um, A training system is what you need. Now, a system has leaderboards. You got leaderboards? No. You got any any gamification? Yeah, no, not within it, no. You got assets, file vaults, resources. Does someone pop up and greet you and walk you through the system? No. Is there I mean, any, not without not without it being manual, but yeah. Yeah. Are, are there any, uh, is there any interactivity? Do you have your merchandise in there? Do you have your podcast in there? Do you have, is it like a, a, a community? 
or is it just or is it just a wall with a bunch of thumbnails it's it's that and then you have like a facebook community and then you know there's live intervent there's live content kajabi bro facebook quit giving kajabi credit for facebook (laughs) yeah so kajabi just hosts like you said it holds the that's all it does it's not a training that's all it does yeah that's not a training system there's no repetition you don't know how many times people went through it You, you you probably didn't test them you didn't role play with them there's no interactivity you don't even know who they are you ask no no additional questions in there and then you say it's interactive. How is it interactive? Yeah, workbook. We've got uh, weekly not like, live contact. But no, I know. That's my point. Yeah, it's not It's not what you're talking about for sure. Interactive would be like, let's say you log into my system and a video like this pops up and I say, hey, welcome to my system. Are you here to make money or get in shape? Mm, make money. Okay, so now I don't need to tell you about the get in shape shit. Okay, oh, you're looking to make money. Fantastic. Are you making more than 10,000 now or less than 10,000 right now? <laughs> More. And then you go less than 10,000. And I go, oh, that's a lead for over there. Why? Well, because they're not an, an option for my mastermind. And then if I hit over 10,000, I continue this interactive dialogue through video, interactive video. And by the time you're done, not only did you think it was way more cool, it was customized for you. But, but, but throughout that whole experience, dude, I told you 15 things you never would have known. And then you created an offer based on that path that makes more sense than any, any way you could ever do it. So now, uh, you know, your revenue goes up. So if you're driving people to Kajabi to go through your course and you're not doing those things, all the people that went through your course, you probably left money on the table. And, and Kajabi is a good system. If you just want to slap up a video, post a freaking price on it and get it out on the internet. But, but again, if you're going to claim that you're going to train people and you all, and you are aware that training requires, it's not, they're nice if they have it. No, it's not training. If you don't have it, if you don't have good content, repetition, practice, and accountability built into that system. Okay. If you don't have those things, it's not training. It's exposing Mm -hmm. people. So what you have is probably some, some good videos online. You call it a course, doesn't make it a course, but you know, what, who does, what does, well, does the, does it have any testing? Does it have any role play? Does it have, does it have any tracking and analytics? Um, but yeah, not, not like what you're talking about. We, we, you know, again, manually we track, Hey, who's where, who's completed what module they post something in Facebook, but it's yeah, not. But, yeah. But Jamie completing a module means they watched your video. Supposedly. Right. Yeah. How if they watch it. How do you know if they watched it? Well, it says they did. You don't know if they understood it, if they watched it, if they hit play and played with their dog. You don't know anything. Why? Because it's not a learning system. It's a hosting system. And if you want to get serious about training people, well, then you need to give them good content, repetition, practice, and accountability. So if you've got the good content on Kajabi, we bring it over, plug it into a multi-million dollar training system and a community show you how to plug in merch stores and all these things right there on the main menu to where it becomes a, a hub of your brand. And you can text people through it. You can communicate with them. You can't text people through Kajabi. Um, but, 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 and the reason I know is because I know Kajabi, I know them all. Lightspeed is the only one out there 100% that partners with people. In other words, Dude, we've got the studios, we've got the graphic artists, we've got the landing page, we've got the copywriters, the ones that have been doing it for the biggest people out there, making the most amount of money. Like we know how to make money with your courses. So if you're making money on Kajabi, you're losing money by not being on Lightspeed, period. Why? Well, I can just say for one, you're not interactively collecting data that's valuable. You're not with Kajabi. Number two, you're not probably embedding any offers within the courseware at opportune times, which means you're not getting any additional revenue out of those people unless it's nurturing and and offering something after the fact. Well, I guarantee you put it inside the system, you'll, you'll generate way more. But anyway, I don't want to make this a Lightspeed commercial, folks. If anybody's out there selling courses, just trust me, hit us up, go to Lightspeed VT, do a demo, you'll be sold forever. It's kind of like, you know, once you once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you'll feel embarrassed that, uh, of what your course looks like to people when they log in. Yeah, I think look, I don't think it's a Lightspeed commercial. I look at it more. There's a lot of people that that I know a doctor in LA that wants to put a, co- a course out. He's got this this thing in him where he wants to add value to other doctors who don't understand be. the concept of financial freedom. Right. So so using I think it's what you talked about. 
It's designed for impact. If you read your book all the way through, it's not about bluster or I'm me or this is what I did. It's all about how can I help? That's the title. Lessons I learned the hard way so you don't have to, right? So what Lightspeed is for you, and you can see it from the financial result, is your gift to the world, right? Is your gift to this world of of training solutions. One of the gifts. One of the gifts. I don't want to take... I have I have bigger gifts, uh, I, I believe now, and and like what? Well, like I started a couple of companies that are basically showing people how to get out of the rat race, how to get out of the nine to five, you know, and 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 literally change their life. A lot of times, people will talk about changing your life, but that's just you know yak yak yak. You know, buy my course; it'll change your life. They don't care if it'll change your life. They want their three ninety seven or whatever it is. I want to give people the ability to change their life, but obviously the individual is always going to have to do it, whether it's a course or not. But I've started companies that basically I call the ladders and they're just up their industries vetted by me that you damn sure can make three to $500,000 a year just selling. And again, you don't have to be a killer salesperson because I can make you that. You don't have to be special in any way. You just have to freaking be willing to do the work. If you're willing to do the work, I can show anybody uh, how to get out of the rat race. And again, it evolves. It starts with making money. Once you make money, you can start investing. Well, what do I invest in? So it goes all the way up. That's what I'm most proud of because I think I'm going to lead a bunch of people out of the freaking norms. And a lot of people, well, Brad, it's not all about money. Folks, trust me when I tell you, yes, it is. Okay. And, and I'm not saying it literally, meaning, of course, health's more important than money. Duh. You know, I'd rather be healthier than freaking be rich. But at the end of the day, money is very important. You got to quit telling yourself it isn't because with money, you can be more, do more uh, and, and, and impact more. So like money is important. So just if you focus on it and you and you realize that and you stop these, you know, societal norms that allow us to think that focusing on money is rude and evil and all this crap. And you just put a little attention on making money. People that are making 50, 60,000 a year, busting their butt, gone all day, working two jobs to support their family. They don't realize take that same energy and focus it in these industries. And you'll make ridiculous amount of money and then you can start investing and then you can start buying financial freedom. You can start investing your way to out of the rat race. That's what I'm most proud of right now. And that speaks to me. And so my, you don't know this, but my story is I was a, a corporate exec with uh, with a large insurance company in claims though, not sales for 20 years, uh, 21 years. It moved me around New York, Boston, Michigan. That's where I am right now. And I left a year ago. I left a year ago and what I do actively now, you know, invested that some of that money in real estate and that sort of thing. But but actively now boils down to sales through brand. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to, to your point, my intent is never, here's my brand and I'm, I want I want you to buy something from me. My intent is, I got this in me. And my whole brand right now is literally about quitting your job. That's, that's what I talk about constantly. Like people are so in their heads about what's possible for them, me included for 21 years, I can empathize. And when I walked out the door, the most jarring thing to me was how many me, 40 35, 45 year old dudes came up to me making three, three fifty, four hundred like I was a year and saying, How are you doing? Where, where are you going? You don't wait, what job are you going to? What in you know, what's you going to Liberty Mutual? Like, no, I'm not going to any insurance company. I'm going on my own. So to to for you to go out there and help people unlock from the rat race. Man, that comes right from my heart because it is such a sad thing to say. If you love what you do, great, do it. If you love your job, do it. It's not about jobs are bad or W2 jobs are bad. But it's more about I'm not fulfilled by this. And I, I I feel like in anything else that we do, like I wouldn't be with my wife if I just liked her or if it if she paid the bills. Right. But we spend all this time at a job because ah, we like it and it pays the bill. It's like, why is that success? You should love what you do, in my opinion. So I'm off my soapbox. But that means a lot to me. That just fired me up what you said. If you're bringing that gift to the world, I think I think that's an amazing gift that you're giving everybody. So incredible. Thank you, sir. Wanna, I want to ask about investment real quick as we start to wrap here. How do you build wealth? So what, where are you investing? Are you real estate, private equity, acquisition, merger, merger and acquisition? Like what is your, what's your bread and butter? Do you do it all? Like what's your, where do you, where do you like to invest right now? Well, again, anything that produces cash flow, it, you know, has my attention, but I like to invest into my own businesses. I mean, like I can get a better return 
in my own businesses than almost anywhere. So, you know, I don't need to go out there and be, you know, a, a slumlord and have, you know, a million, you know, rentals, but I'd take them. Why? Because it's cash flow. So anything cash flow related has my attention. And then other than that, it's, you know, into me and or my businesses. Um, I think tax liens and tax deeds are also a no-brainer. So I Marcos. I think you're tied with Marcos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. Jacober or Jacober? Jacober. Yeah. Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, dude. He's he's a smart dude, man. The deed hunter. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a light, he's a light speed client. He's got his courses on light speed to show anybody how to freaking make money doing that. Yeah. But it's a legit, it's a legit thing. It's backed. It's, you know, I, I look for, I look for anything that has to do with cash flow, And that's, that's definitely one of them. Love what it. are you doing? What are you doing for investments? Real estate has been my bread and butter, but it's funny. I went with, um, we have these like accountability groups in, in GoBundance and my, mine went to Miami and hung out. We rented this boat. We went up the, what is it called? The intercoastal or whatever. And you're looking at these houses, these Grant Cardone like houses and these mega yachts. And, and the revelation to me was like, that wealth ain't built. I mean, I guess it can be, but it ain't built by buying, you know, a 20 unit, a 20 unit, a 30 unit. It, it's just not. It's what you just said. Investing in business, in your own business. Like those people, I guarantee you are business owners, either generational or, or on their own. But you can build legacy wealth, I believe, with real estate, multifamily specifically. And I believe in value add multifamily. That's like that BC class because they're not making any more of it. And there's a lot of demand for it. I don't believe in the A class stuff. I don't believe in the in the workforce housing because there's development there. And, you know, I just don't think there is recession proof. I like the B and C class stuff. But if I want to build the life I think I want and have the impact that I want to have in this lifetime, not two, three generations from now, real estate will do that two, three generations from now, in my opinion. But being a business owner, investing in businesses, owning businesses in this generation for me to live the life I want with my family and serve as best I can, like what you're doing, I believe is the path to wealth. That was a revelation looking at this. These aren't guys that own 35 unit, you know, apartment buildings. Probably not. These are guys or gals that have built significant, impactful businesses, in my opinion. I don't know if you have any thought on that. I mean, some of them might be rich because of the units, but they don't have 20 of them. They probably got, you know, a thousand of those. No, right. Units. Right. Yeah. They got but tons yeah, of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, real estate has made a lot of millionaires, but believe it or not, insurance has made more millionaires than the rest of the world. Insurance but not in claims. You were in the wrong department, brother. Wrong side. <laughs> it took me only 21 years to figure that out though. So, you know, I'm a quick learner. <laughs> I, know, I just hired a guy for my financial company, 23 years with Aflac, you know, made, made decent amount of money his whole life, you know, executive. And he saw what I was doing and, you know, he's like, Brad, do you know how much money you're going to make? And I said, yeah. Do you know how long I would have been doing it? He said, how long? I said, two years. I said, how long did you do it? He said, 23 years. And I said, you haven't even made a fraction of that. Why? And he said, dude, don't remind me. I know. I, I, I didn't even realize. But so that's why like, I try to wake people up with guys. You don't have to quit your job to start making more money through sales. You can get a part-time sales job. Pretty soon that sales and that commission starts to outperform your normal job. And you're going to be eventually like, why am I doing this stupid limited, you know, flat rate crap for and then you'll do more of this. And then one day you'll reach out to me and you'll say, Brad, I listened to you on that podcast and it changed my life. Of course, no one's going to be listening here because they're already millionaires, right? Oh, no, no, man. There's plenty of plenty of people that listen to this podcast. That hey, that, that was me being a jokester because no, I know, I know. What what one thing I do notice about successful people, they are listening. Yeah. Okay. They, you know, people have people have a, a sense of, you know, when people are rich people, like they're uppity and you know folks if you hate on success you're telling the universe you don't want any you need to congratulate but in reality the, the most successful people i know are the most curious and interested in learning so i was just joking like if, if they're oh, no, millionaires they're all going to be glued to this listening taking notes and taking from it what they can use and then they're going to go implement it that's why they're already successful 
Well, I, I mean, your your brand recognition is enough for me to have said, hey, guys, I'm interviewing this guy today. And they're like, oh, crap. Yeah, ask him this, ask him that. I didn't ask any of the questions they asked me to. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of curiosity about what you're doing. And it's so funny, man. Like I mentioned David Osborne <laughs> at the top. Guys worth $200 million. And I go to lunch with him. And what's so funny is he is so that's the word I've used all the time. People ask, like, what, what's what do you think it is about him? And, like, he's just curious. He's so curious about everything. Like he's interested in literally, like really interested in what I'm talking about on certain things that he asks about, which, you know, he has way more credibility, at least from a results standpoint than I do in most things. But that curiosity is what serves. Uh, uh, I remember somebody was asked uh, at the restaurant we were at, this is in the middle of COVID. They said, oh, we're using this new app. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, let me look it up. Let me see what this is about. Is it investable? What's the deal with it, right? Like pure curiosity on just as simple as paying the bill through a different app. So I think you're spot on with curiosity being a big piece of it. Very good. I could go another hour, but I won't. Where could people learn more about you, find you? Where do you want to direct people right now? Anything you're working on? Well, I mean, bradlee.com will we'll always have everything I'm kind of working on in one central lo- location. I'm coming out with a Discord probably next week it's badass um you know join join my discord channel you know wherever my podcast dropping bombs instagram i'm 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 all those places so wherever you are you know just look me up and and hit me follow dm me if i can help you or you know keep being cool remember it's lea brad lea that's how you'll find him and i would recommend the book Really, really good book. And uh, all of your content's fantastic. So appreciate you being here again, brother. Thank you. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Well, that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon. 